0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Fake News Friday. It is Friday, August 12th, 2022. And as we try to stand firm in the blizzard of lies, expose the fakery, the misinformation, the disinformation, and just the plain pure, unbridled wacko. We are standing here at True North doing exactly that, and after that bold introduction, there is no man uh, befitting it as much as my trusty co-host for this episode, Harrison Faulkner. Harrison, it is good to have you on. How was your week? Pretty good. That was a pretty nice introduction, I gotta say, and I was just thinking
1: about this, Andrew. It's It's been a quiet week. It's been nice and simple. We haven't had the Prime Minister around, and I'm starting to get that feeling like he's coming back soon and everything's about to kick up again, so it's, uh, it was, it's it's been a nice quiet week, I have to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, the point that I made, I think it was on this show last week, which some people didn't like on Twitter or at least didn't see the nuance of, is that I would be happier in the grand scheme of things if he just stayed in Costa Rica, but uh, we know that all things have to be undone. What goes up must come down. What goes to the Caribbean must come back, so next week will be a bit of a different week, I have no doubt. Uh, let's talk first First and foremost, though, about the conservative leadership race and specifically Polyev derangement syndrome. Now, you may remember, uh, this is going back to the archives here, Bush derangement syndrome, which was the original DS. And it was, called. Uh, I believe think it was Charles Krauthammer, if memory serves. It was just the complete spastic, hysterical nature of a lot of the critiques of George Bush. And we've seen this derangement syndrome come back every time there's a conservative leader now. It doesn't matter who it is. People just go absolutely crazy. Doug Ford, before he was uh, the lockdown leader, when he was a conservative, the media had Ford derangement syndrome. Certainly there was Harper derangement syndrome. And now there is undoubtedly Polyev derangement syndrome. Let's look here first off at how the Globe and Mail decided to cover the fallout of Stephen Harper's endorsement of Pierre Polyev. Let's first take a look at the endorsement.
2: Friends, fellow Conservatives, greetings. I haven't talked to you like this in a while and much has transpired. Our party, once again, has a leadership race underway. In this particular race, there's been a lot of speculation about whom I support or do not support and why. So it may be useful for my fellow party members to hear my views straight from me. It's a strong field But one candidate has garnered disproportionate attention. Pierre Poilievre was a strong minister in my government. In the past several years, he's been our party's most vocal and effective critic of the Trudeau Liberals. He's been talking about the issues, especially the economic issues, that matter. Slow growth, debt, inflation, lack of job and housing opportunities, and the need to fix the institutions that are failing Canadian families.
0: So Stephen Harper, who has kept his powder dry the last couple leadership races, did come out and say that he is standing behind Pierre Polyev. And a Nanos research poll written about in the Globe and Mail says Stephen Harper's endorsement shows no boost for Pierre Polyev, new poll suggests. And this story came out on August 8th, and they did a telephone survey of just over a thousand people. They consider it accurate, plus or minus 3.1 percentage points, 19 times out of 20, all the standard polls lingo, but basically they say that most people would find no effect one way or another of Stephen Harper's endorsement on Pierre Polyev. And if you read the fine print, you realize this was not a poll of Conservative Party of Canada members. This was a poll of the general population. People who may or may not be members at all, most likely they aren't. And it was basically saying does I'll read the question exactly. Has Stephen Harper's recent endorsement of Pierre Polyev as a candidate for the Conservative Party leadership given you a more positive impression, a more negative impression, or has it had no impact on your impression of Pierre Polyev? If you're not voting in the leadership race, your answer to that would presumably, I don't, I don't know, why do I care? What, what What is that about me? But the media is trying to make it seem like, oh, Stephen Harper's tainted, Polyev's tainted, and... Really, it's just a fundamental misunderstanding or willful ignorance of how leadership races are won. I hope Canadians can
1: see through all of this, Andrew, because you know what we all know is if you can't pull the general public to begin with, then when then when you try to pull the general public about a conservative leadership race, it's going to mean basically nothing, first of all. And I think if you were to specifically poll Conservative members, obviously the Stephen Harper endorsement of Pierre Polyev is a huge, is a huge boost to Polyev's campaign. No matter what campaign you're on or you're in, or, you, or no matter what uh, person you support, uh, getting the endorsement of the previous Conservative Prime Minister is huge for anyone. So the idea, of course, that it's going to not impact his chances in... Uh, in a general, is not ob- is not true. I don't think. And of course, they do this thing where they talk about how you know it was he, he experienced the biggest boost in Alberta and Ontario and Quebec. You know, uh, both said that they were the highest respondents to say they they disapproved of the endorsement. Obviously, uh, that's meant to be the case. But Canadians can see through that, at least I hope, because obviously the Globe and Mail's is not intending to pull actual conservatives or to, in fact. Get get an accurate poll of Canadians. We we know that polling companies have consistently failed to poll, whether it be conservative, whether it be working class Canadians, whether people whether it just be people who live in the middle of the country. They can't seem to gauge where that support is coming from. But I I, I did some digging myself, Andrew, to see what other polls might indicate whether or not Canadians would would support a Stephen Harper endorsement, I came across a research co-poll published in July, which actually found that 29% of Canadians in this poll, which is basically 30%, 29% of Canadians responding to the research co-poll about the worst Canadian prime minister in recent history, 29% said Justin Trudeau. That's the highest any previous prime minister has received. So the majority of Canadians believe Justin Trudeau is the worst prime minister we've had in recent history. And on the other side, Stephen Harper beats Justin Trudeau for the best recent prime minister. So if I were Pierre Pauly, if I were a leadership candidate, I'd certainly know who I'd want to be endorsed by. And uh, if I had the choice, it wouldn't be Justin Trudeau.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I actually hadn't seen that. I mean, Research Co. is not a huge polling firm, but it's not a conservative firm by any stretch. It's, as I understand, not tainted by partisanship in general. But it is interesting how poorly Trudeau comes off in that. And the whole point here, and, and look, the media is, I, I believe, within its right to start polling on eventualities and ask Canadians, you know, what would you think of the Conservatives if Polyev were the leader? What would you think if uh, Jean Chafin were the leader? What would you think if uh, so-and-so were the leader? I think that's all fine, but it's when they start talking about the internal workings of the leadership race without acknowledging in any substantial way how leadership races work that I get annoyed. And, and and in fairness, let me look at this one here from the, I believe this was a, no, this was a Lege poll uh, in association with the Association for Canadian Studies. And the headline here kind of gives you the angle. Polyev preferred among conservatives, but Charest favored among Canadians. So the media is trying to say that, yeah, Pierre Polyev is unelectable. And Conservatives, they don't like Jean, uh, Jean Charest, but Canadians do. And, and they're basically saying that Conservatives are going to have uh, the right leader that none of them vote and the wrong leader is gonna the one that's going to win, is effectively the message here. And I find this to be a bit tiring because they it, it neglects to understand that this is the Trump effect, that polling does not reflect a certain constituency. And there are people who are not as likely to talk to pollsters that are not represented that are very key demographic in voting and beyond that they also fail to understand the importance of campaigning I'm convinced right now that Jean Charest is not even really campaigning to conservative members he's doing the mainstream media thing he's campaigning to the country as a whole so it's understandable that the country as a whole may have a favorable impression of him again maybe Pierre Polyev will be able to do that or won't we don't know we don't have a crystal ball but it's a pretty tired analogy that they're giving here which is oh well uh, you know he's the one the party likes but not the country and vice versa
1: well exactly and in a leadership race I would want to have the support of the party not necessarily the country you want to play to win uh, you want to win the leadership race and we'll see what happens with uh, with whatever what whatever leader the conservative members decide we'll see if they switch their positions or if they make any decisions to kind of change their change their approach to attract Canadians but again if you don't frame the poll, in the correct way at the beginning, it's disingenuous. By saying to Canadians that, you know, Canadians don't support Pierre Polyev and they don't support this endorsement, it, it's not accurate and it's not doing a good enough job for Canadians. I will just provide some context quickly to that uh, that research co-poll. It turns out that Stephen Harper and Justin Trudeau were bested by Pierre Trudeau for best recent Prime Minister, which, I don't know, may may kind of throw some shade on the research co-poll, depending on who you talk to. But again, I thought that might be interesting. And another thing I found in my research before the show was that a Narcity article, Narcity is definitely not known to be a, uh, a pro-conservative, that's for sure. Narcity, back in 2019, wrote about how Justin Trudeau's approval rating was lower than Donald Trump's. So again, it's just one of those things where these are not the kind of headlines you'll see reported in legacy media news. That's why we're doing it on this show, obviously. But again, it's important to put some context behind this. When the media wants to tell you that Stephen Harper is this boogeyman, most Canadians are afraid of Pierre Poilievre. or they're afraid of Stephen Harper, look for what Canadians actually say about Justin Trudeau. It doesn't show the best picture of him either. So it's important context there that I want to highlight for the audience listening.
0: Yeah, I think that is a very fair game. I think the media is going to lose its mind if Pierre Polyev wins, and it's going to be interesting to watch. We'll have no shortage of material, so all I can say on that is to stay tuned. Uh, let's turn from the internal party workings of the conservatives to the global workings of the shadowy cabal of overlords that run the countries and the world and all of that. Now, I don't know. It's not quite that bad, but We are going to talk about the World Economic Forum here, which had an op-ed in the Globe and Mail debunking, as they believe, the own nothing and be happy conspiracy theory. And there are a few moving parts to this, but I'll say basically that by now I'm assuming you've heard of own nothing and be happy, as though it's some common refrain of the World Economic Forum. Now, this line did really come from the WEF. It was a a blog post that was published on the WEF's website quite a while ago by a member of parliament. I think she was from Denmark, and it was basically putting forward this futuristic scenario in 2030, so just eight years from now, in which people don't own anything. They don't have a car. They don't have a house. They don't have appliances. What is the living room one day is used as an office for someone else the next day. And public transportation is there and everything's a public good. And uh, the whole point here, and I want to go right down to the text of this. In the world, before this fantasy 2030 world, we had all these terrible things happening. Lifestyle diseases, climate change, the refugee crisis, environmental degradation, completely congested cities, water pollution, air pollution, social unrest, and unemployment. We lost way too many people before we realized we could do things differently. And doing things differently in this fantasy world is owning nothing and evidently being happy. So it wasn't like a central campaign platform item for the WEF, but it was a think piece that the WEF put out that ultimately aligns with the World Economic Forum's broader vision of rethinking property rights, of uh, basically making it so that we all live with less because that's the way to save the climate. So let's talk about how this is being represented by the WEF now in a Globe and Mail op-ed. Take it away.
1: So, Andrew, there was an opinion article that was published in the Globe and Mail by Adrian Monk, who's the managing managing director, excuse me, of the World Economic Forum, and he takes direct aim at this statement: "This you'll own nothing and be happy," as previously talked about. And the title of the piece is "How Own Nothing and Be Happy Sparked a Misinformation Campaign That Targeted the World Economic Forum: Misinformation and Disinformation." Where have you seen that before, uh, Andrew? So, again, this this author. He begins by calling out where he believes the origin of the YOLO nothing and be happy idea came from. And of course, he does mention that it was published by the World Economic Forum. It is a WEF slogan that they did kind of coin. But then from that point on, from about the, the second or third paragraph, he completely abandons that and then basically goes into saying that the, 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 the comment Defending the World Economic Forum, the comment is Russian disinformation. The comment came and became popular through 4chan, which he describes as an unmoderated uh, messaging board used by operators of a Russian propaganda campaign. And then he writes in the article, the intent was apparently to spread disinformation in a bid to stir far-right outrage about COVID-19 and perpetuate domestic extremism. The means was often via bots that would push far-right conspiracy theories to communities on board, such as 4chan. So what you're seeing here, I think, is a cleanup operation from the World Economic Forum to go after the big slogans that have dominated their brand for the past couple of years, and I think have pretty much ruined the brand of the World Economic Forum in the public eye. They're trying to send out their best and brightest to combat what people are starting to learn about this group and basically label any criticism, any direct quotation of the World Economic Forum, as this statement is, as Russian misinformation, as far-right. They even, you know, they even use the word anti-Semitic uh, to describe using the terms uh, using the term you'll own nothing and be happy. So it's a big cleanup operation. They're trying to sweep it all under the rug, Andrew. And they're using the Globe and Mail for it. I mean, they couldn't have picked a better outlet to uh, run a story like this, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, it's a weird one because I mean, he—if you look at it in depth, it's anything but trivial. He says, and there's valuable insights we can take away from how misinformation is created and why it's essential not to perpetuate its spread. And I'm not saying that people who believe in conspiratorial things about the world economic forum or other uh, aspects of this have not taken this and you know used it in whatever they believe, but. The whole point is let's strip away all that and look at the facts themselves. This was a... Think piece that was put out by the World Economic Forum. Their argument or defense might be well, we publish things by any number of people, but this is a vision that really talks about the eradication of property rights as being a prerequisite for happiness and as being the antidote to all of these terrible things they say, like climate change and droughts and famines and, and all of that. So, I, whether or not, and this is coming from an elected representative, not a Canadian, a, a Danish MP, but I guess the point is, at what point does that become Russian? At what point does that become disinformation? And and I think this is a legitimate question. If you quote it... Is that allowed? If you have the discussion we're having now, is that allowed? At what point is it a conspiracy and no longer something that people can bring? And I mean, say what you will about 4chan. There are a lot of issues with that platform. Uh, Just because something is on 4chan does not mean it does not exist. And, And I always encourage people with anything, even if you hear it on my show or your show, go to the source, check out the source document, the raw material. And in this case, you don't need to get it filtered through 4chan. You can go to the WEF website. There it is right there. On the screen, it is still posted. It's still available, and you can decide for yourself. And I, I've tried to give as accurate and fair a recap of that piece as I can. Read it for yourself, not on 4chan, on the WEF website.
1: Yeah. So I think, in order to answer your question, it becomes Russian propaganda, it becomes uh, you know right-wing disinformation as soon as it becomes critical. Huh. That is the point I think at which. All of all of the talk about it becomes this awful sort of Russian campaign to you know influence ideas. I mean, it, it, that's to me really where this all comes from. And to not lose sight of the Polyev derangement syndrome taking place in this article, they actually drop Pierre Polyev's name. And I want to I want to read the read the quote because it's pretty it, it actually is pretty insightful to see where the WEF is coming from on this. So the uh, paragraph starts off by mentioning Russell Brand's video that talked about the WEF video and saying, the, the article writes, actor and comedian Russell Brand talked about it in a video that received more than 1.8 million views on Facebook. Pierre Polyev, currently running for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada, used it to discredit Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's government, giving rise to a national movement. And just before that, he labeled the 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 saying as people who use that saying as dog whistling. So you immediately see the connection between Andrew, between them saying using this slogan to discredit the world economic forum and to discredit politicians who are themselves connected to the world economic forum. That's dog whistling. That's far right. And that is dangerous territory. I mean, it's pretty transparent, Andrew. I think when it comes to the cleanup act that's taking place right now, this isn't the first time we've seen it. And just to clarify one more thing, in the article, that the, the WEF actually pulled that article. You have to go to the web archive to find it. Of course, it's on the Internet, so it lives forever. But in this article, in the Globe and Mail, the author mentions the fact that they ended up pulling the story be, to protect the author of the original You'll Know Nothing and Be Happy, yeah. uh, basically because of all the all the death threats, all the comments they were receiving. So, again, it's important to note that the Cleanup Act is in full is in full flight right now. They're really trying to clean up what's been going on in the messaging of the WEF. Um, But that article itself has been pulled from the website. You have to get it by going to the web archives.
0: Yeah, no, and I appreciate you clarifying that. I meant people should like read their version of it, not things that have been right, quoted in yes. clip. But yeah, that's an incredibly valid point. So even the big ideas piece now has had to be taken <laughs> down. And uh, does that make it misinformation on their part? I don't know. Uh, let's uh, end with a little bit of a fun one. We always try to end on a lighter note. We don't have any cricket eating stories today, so we had to look elsewhere. But uh, you noticed in your travels an advertisement from one of Canada's legacy, media outlets that apparently is getting chuckles all over the country
1: yes so the Toronto Star I guess they are not getting enough funding from the government they need to advertise to increase their readership maybe because it's crumbling but on Facebook they're putting out ads which I I just think deserve total mockery Andrew it's just hilarious what they're putting out here so the Toronto Star ran an ad campaign on Facebook with a blank background that just reads well the caption says Truth we need for the world we want. So they're really kind of talking themselves up there. Uh, and then the the poster itself is a white background that just says journalism from a trusted news source. Now I just want to remind people watching this this so-called trusted news source. Back in what was it August 26, 2021, they ran a They ran a a, a front page, which is perhaps one of the most egregious acts of, I don't even know if you could call it journalism, perhaps journalism malpractice. It's absolutely horrendous what they ran on their front page. A series of quotes or tweets, whatever it was, which they ended up having to apologize for, which are just absolutely horrendous statements about unvaccinated Canadians. So this was what the Toronto Star, the so-called trusted news source, ran in August of, 20, in August of 2021 as their front page. Highlighted quotes include, I have no empathy left for the willfully unvaccinated Let them die, Andrew. So when I saw this, I immediately thought of that ridiculous CNN ad campaign where they show a white background with a red apple and they just have some narrator saying, this is an apple. This is an apple no matter what people say. People may say this is a banana or an orange, but it's really an apple. And then, of course, they end it by saying, facts first, CNN. So I guess uh, they're trying to change the narrative about themselves, but I wonder if Canadians agree that the Toronto Star is a trusted news source.
0: It's reminding me of the old, like, René Magritte painting, Sassine Pa and Pipe. This is the this is an apple. So it's not like the Sassine <laughs> Pa, it's a C8 and an apple. This is, I think, fascinating. And we, we see, I mean, obviously, media outlets are commercial entities. They have to succeed. They have to survive. They've got to advertise. But there is a big problem right now of these outlets really painting themselves as the final authority and the final arbiters of truth. I mean, whether it's CNN saying that it decides what an Apple is or the Toronto Star pushing itself as, as being a trusted news source, despite a number of issues that people may have a lot of problems with about their coverage. And you, you'd look at the comments and I mean, no matter how many times, it's still amusing. People using uh, laughing memes, people using the laugh react when you look at the uh, responses to it, like just pay attention to that number. And, and the Toronto Star either A, is way off on its target Targeting, it's ad targeting, or it is in fact a stock to a lot of the people it's trying to endear itself to. And I, this actually I find to be quite troubling in, in this country, the lack of trust in institutions. But I also feel that a lot of the reason that's troubling is because institutions have behaved in such a chronically untrustworthy way.
1: You won't see Toronto Star adapting their practice anytime soon, as I don't think you'll expect to see that from other legacy media outlets who, who know, as a matter of fact, that their trust is dropping. It's not a secret to these journalists. I mean, they're not the dumbest people in the world. Uh, they are aware of the fact that Canadians are losing faith in what they put and what they write. And this ad campaign, yeah, it's probably in part, to try and increase their reach. But I don't really think that's what it is. I think it's actually supposed to be a message. It's supposed to be, as you said, It's a bit of a flex, right? (laughs) Yeah, them portraying themselves as the single source of truth. We've seen that line. You know, them portraying themselves, them and and, and perhaps other outlets like the Toronto Star, they are the ones that are trusted. The independents, perhaps, you know, the the true Norths, the rebels, the Western standards— they aren't the ones that are trusted. You have to go to a legacy media. Oil. And I think that is, is an important point to bring up. And, and you, you highlight the point that institutional trust is dropping at a significant rate. And, you know, maybe, perhaps if that's the case, it might call on a change of practices. Again, I don't think you're going to see any of that from uh, these legacy media journalists
0: look the big takeaway of all of this is support true north support other independent Absolutely. media as well but we're true north so we'll put in the plug for ourselves if you like this show and the other content we have whether it's the andrew lawton show ratioed with harrison faulkner or reality check with jasmine Moulton, or alberta roundup with rachel Emanuel, or all of the other programs we have going on. i feel bad that i've probably missed like one person but in general all of the shows you yeah, should Rupa's check it all podcast. out what was that Rupa's podcast. Yes, well. the Rupa Supermania show. How could I forget that one? I just had her on my show too. So uh, all of these uh, great programs as well as the news content, please do head on over to donate.tnc.news. Donate.tnc.news. And this is Andrew Lawton joined by Harrison Faulkner. We will catch you next week with more fake news.